What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Joe and Nick. What's going on, guys? All right. Another week full of sports, so we're just going to go right into football. Okay, so week 16 of NFL football. Uh, you know, Not extremely eventful because playoff spots are starting to trickle down. Um, we're going right into it. We have the Vikings and the Saints. Saints put up 52 points in this one in a pretty offensive battle against the Vikings. The Vikings, I think, are officially out of the playoffs at this point at 6-9. and nine. Um, They really don't stand a chance. Uh, but the, the Saints looking really, really good. Alvin Kamara, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to really put this into perspective here, but he had six touchdowns rushing. Um, one of the best performances ever from a running back rushing-wise uh, in terms of touchdowns. I think he either – I think he tied or he broke the record for the most rushing touchdowns in, in I think, the NFL era. Um, pretty, pretty incredible stuff there. 155 yards as well. Uh, Alvin Kamara, I think – Statistically, and I think you know, looking at it objectively, is the best running back in the NFL as of right now. Uh, this season has not had the injuries or, or the COVID issues that other running backs have had, so it's it's kind of a, the best with an asterisk. But uh, you know, even with no COVID in, in a regular season, he's still one of the better running backs to lead. Don't get me wrong. Um, his versatility in terms of his rushing ability and his receiving ability is really unmatched, and it makes him a really really special player. Um, Drew Brees not a great game from him though. Uh, two interceptions, 311 yards. Uh, so, so somewhat some concerns for the Saints. But again, I think the Saints, as long as Alvin Kamara is healthy, the, Sa- the Saints are really contenders this year. Um, they definitely have a shot to win the Super Bowl. Again, Kamara stays healthy. That's definitely a possibility. Next game we have was the Buccaneers and Lions. Buccaneers blow the Lions out 47-7. to Not much of a competition here. Um, you know, It just makes a lot of sense. Buccaneers are the better team. They're in the playoff hunt. Uh, Lions not so good. We've known this. Buccaneers come out largely on top. Uh, next thing we have is the 49ers and Cardinals, which one was a little bit more of a surprise for me. Uh, the Cardinals drop another one here, 20 to 12. 49ers win it. 49ers move to six and nine. Cardinals move to eight and seven. Um, you know, looking at it, terrible, terrible stuff for the Cardinals because they really needed this game for the playoff spot. Uh, 49ers essentially out of it. Um, I think the Cardinals can still make the playoffs with a series of events because they have to win the next game. They hope the Rams lose the next one. They tie them at nine and six. Um, I'm not sure who has the tiebreaker out of that. Um, but obviously huge drop here for the, for the Cardinals, especially again, this 49ers team has been injured all season. This is a game that they really need to pick up and they were unable to do so. Um, so it's really going to come down between the Cardinals and the Rams, you know, fighting for one of those, those playoff spots. It's the wild card because the, the Seahawks have already won a playoff spot. Um, so moving on from there, we have the Dolphins Raiders Dolphins skin this one out 26 to 25, you know, not a great game out of the Dolphins by any means. Um, still get it done though. You know, Tua, uh, they take him out. 90, he had 94 yards on a touchdown and decided to take him out, put in Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick comes in 182 yards on a touchdown. Um, I really question this coaching decision by Brian Flores. Again, he's been a really successful coach, so it's hard for me to do so. I just don't understand the logic because I feel like with the Dolphins, every time the going gets tough, they're really quick to pull Tua and then put Fitzpatrick in. It's just like, what are you teaching Tua? I guess it's, you know, you're trying to keep a really good record. I get that, you know, fight for the playoffs. But at the same time, look at the, looking at the longevity of the team, I feel like it'd be better if Tua is able to dig himself out of the hole. You know, I kind of see it as in, uh, a, you know, sort of a baseball reference where you have pitchers, right? It's always been, I guess, one of the things is like pitchers in, in, in American baseball, uh, you know, when they, when they have bad games, they don't get pulled necessarily right away. The, the managers will let them try to pitch their way out of, of innings and, and, and bad pitching. And I think, you know, that, that helps build the pitcher's confidence. It helps give them experience. And I think, it's similar with the quarterback, right? Tua is not having a great game. Keep him in there. Let him learn from what he's doing. Um, but again, at the same time, you're not you're not allowing him to get buried in a in a, in a bad situation. So it's it's kind of a unique thing to coaching that I don't think I've seen too often. I, I am curious to see how it works for Tua because if, if it works out positively, then you know I'll take it back and say Brian Flores is all right with this decision. He didn't let Tua dig himself into a hole and, and ruin his confidence. Um, he, he pulled him out when he when he thought Brian Fitzpatrick could do a better job. So I'm about to see how, how, it, how it, I think it spans out for Tua over his career. First, I guess we're in the immediate future next season to see. Okay, I guess I don't know what the contract situation is with Fitzpatrick off the top of my head, but you know he's not a long term solution there. So when they only have Tua and they can't go to Fitzpatrick, what are they going to do? Is Tua going to be able to step up? That's a question. Uh, moving on to the Raiders, not a great game out of them. Only 69 yards for Josh Jacobs. Uh, Derek Carr, not a great performance out of him. Again, this Raiders team, really huge fall from grace. 
was one of the better teams in the NFL at one point. Now they're seven and eight. Um, not really in a playoff position. Dolphins are. So uh, Dolphins won, won that one 26-25. Next game, Ravens-Giants. Not much to talk about here. Ravens is a much better team and fighting for a playoff spot. Um, you know, they're fighting, pretty much fighting the, the, the Browns for that division um, in terms of what's left because the Steelers did come out with a win. Uh, so I think they clinched the division. Giants lose it 13-27. Giants are not a great team. I doubt they're even going to make the playoffs. They'll probably get a top 10 trick pick in the draft. To me, as a Giants fan, I'm really hoping out of the season, we can do a couple things. A, we can win without Saquon Barkley. B, Joe Judge is, is a solid coach. C, you know, we have, uh, you know, a first, good first round draft pick if we do get a top 10 pick. Um, it depends who, who, who falls to us. We can get a Michael Parsons um, out of Penn State. You know, we could really use a, a dual threat linebacker. Um, could even go um, Gregory Rousseau. Uh, get, get that pure pass rusher. You know, there's lots of wide receiver talent too. Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, uh, Jamar Chase, whoever falls to us. So uh, Giants are putting themselves to get a really good draft pick out, out of this. Um, so, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, not the end of the world. Ravens will have to see if they do. Next game, we have the Chiefs-Falcons. Falcons put up a fight here, but the Chiefs come out on top 17-14. to 14. Um, You know, out of the Texans and, and the Falcons, in terms of, again, I, I kind of group them together because I feel like they're in the same situation where they have a somewhat talented roster. I think the Texans have good pieces, you know, J.J. Watt, um, obviously Deshaun Watson, David Johnson's an awful running back. Brandon Cooks, when he's healthy, is solid. Will Fuller, obviously we know what he can do when he's, you know, healthy or not suspended. Um, and the Falcon side of things, you know, Julio Jones, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Matt, Matt Ryan, you have good guys there, Deion Jones. I just think they both lack leadership and, and talent. Uh, not sorry, not talent, leadership and coaching. So I just, you know, I think the Falcons are in a better position. I've seen them be more competitive down the stretch since firing Quinn, where I haven't seen the same out of the Texans, honestly. And Bill O'Brien put the Texans in such a deep hole. I think Deshaun Watson, you know, has such a bright future, but it's just it's really clamped down. Um, and I think this Falcons team, you know, putting up a fight against the Chiefs is really a sign that this Falcons team can fight. They can be a good team. I think they just need the right leadership. Um, but again, they don't come out the way with the win here. And the Chiefs uh, just look more and more like Super Bowl favorites moving on from there. Uh, next game we had Browns, Jets. Jets won this one 23-16. Jets win two back-to-back. Uh, Browns drop another one. You know, the Browns were really in position to take take their division, and they've, they've had a fall from grace. They dropped two in a row. Um, you know, that's, it's not a good, especially against the New York Jets, who were by far the worst team in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, maybe next to the Jaguars are competitive, but I think the Jaguars have had more promise than other. Jaguars are officially, with this win, Jaguars officially lock in Trevor Lawrence and Jets will not have access to him unless they trade up. Um, Brian, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, it, it, listen, I've took two different stances on it. First off, I mean, obviously losing out on Trevor Lawrence sucks, but also now that they, now that they won this game, I don't feel as bad that they didn't lose last week, if that makes sense, because like, Losing two, you automatically take yourself out of the running for the number one overall pick. And if it if it if it had come down to it and the Jets were one and fifteen and were that close to getting the number one pick, that would have bothered me a lot more. Um, where do they go from here? I don't really know. I've been thinking: Do they stick with Sam Darnold, even though I said that I don't want them? I think I'd rather them go after Justin Fields, but there are a lot of other things that they could do. Get that offensive lineman. I don't know his name, but hit. Okay, him and uh, Mackay Becton <laughs> could be some really good linemen for them. And obviously they need an offense. They need more offensive linemen. And maybe that helps Sam Darnold. Or do you just give up on Sam Darnold, let him go to another team? Where in my opinion, um, even if he flourishes in another team, I don't think he would have ever flourished with the Jets. I think what the Jets were doing with him wasn't working. And also New York is a, is a tough place to play. So maybe that's a part of his struggles. We don't know. I mean, even though they won this game, it wasn't like a great game from Sam Donald either. So he's still, even though they've won the past two games, none of these games have been that great for him. So there's no increase in confidence in him. Um, it's just kind of like you lose out on Trevor Lawrence. So you just kind of have to deal with what's the better situation for them to go after. And I think with the Jets, if they're able to win out and somehow hold on to the second overall pick, um, you know, it's really going to come down to this last game. I think it's a really big win for them because, again, it starts to build something. 
Um, you you got to pray to God that that a three game win streak doesn't let you keep Adam Gase though. Well, there's um, some rumors about that. Yeah, it, so it's nearly confirmed. I heard that Adam Gase is to be fired. Adam Gase apparently denies it. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know what the situation. Look, I was I was in my group chat. I said this: if Adam Gase gets fired, it's funny because it, it shouldn't even matter because he never should have been hired. Now, I've been mm-hmm. saying it since the day that they hired him that it was not a right. good move. It was not going to end well. And I don't think it has. I don't, I don't understand how you keep a coach after a two and 13 season after multiple losing seasons um, for the Jets. I don't know how long, you know, the Jets have been a losing franchise for, I don't know how long now, um, you know, they haven't really won any significant playoff games since they had the well Revis in, in the late two, you know, early 2010s, late two thousands. You've got to be competitive and Adam Gase is not going to make you competitive. He's not, he's going to shy away any superstar talent as we saw in Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase is not scared to say, I don't want this guy. He doesn't fit my scheme. And that just, you know, what superstar wants to come into a, a team that's that's going to say, you know, the coach is going to say, I don't want you. Uh, it's just, you need to get rid of Adam Gase. And I think that's step one. Step two, build a winning culture. Step three, draft rate. Um, not necessarily in that order, but Adam Gase has got to go, in my opinion. I agree with that. Um. You know, again, but again, the Jets at the two, second overall pick, a lot of talent in this draft. And it's just, you know, what are they going to go? Penny School will be nice. I think it'd be really nice to have him and Makai Becton let them develop, um, start to build up that offensive line. And then maybe you go for a quarterback. Not this next, you know, this looking at this next draft, not this draft coming up, but the one after it. Uh, from my understanding, the quarterback talent uh, is not that deep. It's nowhere near as deep as it is this year. It's going to be more like a Daniel Jones slash Dwayne Haskins year. We know how that year turned out. Um, no incredible quarterbacks really out of that year. So it wouldn't be the best, you know, the Jets wouldn't be in the best position to draft a quarterback then. You want, yeah, I mean, if I'm a Jets fan, I wouldn't want them drafting a Daniel Jones where it's, you know, I'd rather get a, a, a Trevor Lawrence. But again, you know, they have the options between Justin Fields and, and Zach Wilson. I just really like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's, you know, that much better than any other option. But Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, they're not, they're not bad quarterbacks by any means. So. I want to see what the Jets are going to do. It's going to be really interesting to see if they're going to make significant changes in that franchise because they really need it. One thing that I was thinking, just like there's been some, because obviously after the last game, Trevor Lawrence was like a no, like you, there's no chance they get him and I don't want them to trade for him either. I was thinking of other ways they could go about it besides the drafting or going after Sam Dara. I mean, there are like, like Mitch Trubisky has played well these past um, two, three weeks recently. And I don't think the Bears are going to hold on to him next year. If they do, I, I I don't know if they will. But Mitch Trubisky is someone that, like, let's say, last case scenario, like, I wouldn't mind Mitch Trubisky being their quarterback. He's shown flashes, more flashes than Sam Darnold has, in my opinion. Um, it could be an interesting um, experiment if they wanted to go that route. And also, someone like Gardner Minshew, too. I don't, I have more faith in, like, a Trubisky, but there's other options out there. It's just, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was like the perfect option, but that's not going to happen anymore. I definitely think that's a possibility where you bring a different quarterback talent and you can create, you create a competition, you know, mm-hmm. let somebody earn the quarterback spot. Um, definitely, definitely a possibility as well. I'm going to be really interesting to see what they do with that pick and how it shapes that franchise for the future. Uh, moving on from there, we have the bears and the Jaguars bears won this one 41 to 17. Again, Mr. Risky had a solid game here. Um, so I really don't have faith in Mitch Trubisky because I just haven't seen – I've seen so much bad football out of him. Uh, but here, not a bad game, right? 265 yards, two touchdowns, one reception. Nothing spectacular on, on the same – you know, the same breath. So, again, I'm not, I'm not too high on Mitch Trubisky, but he does have his flashes here and there. And then, obviously, the Jaguars being as franch- bad of a franchise as they are, uh, you know, this outcome was just not a surprise to me. Uh, moving on from there. We had the Bengals and Texans. Bengals won this one 37 to 31. Bengals continue to win. Um, again, I have a lot. I like this Bengals team. I think they have a, a decent amount of good talent. I kind of see them maybe as like last year's Dolphins, where they have a good amount, a good amount of rookie talent. Right? T. Higgins has been really solid this year. Jesse Bates is a solid safety. You know, you have you have a lot of solid young talent across this roster. You definitely have a lot of holes in, in, in talent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think the coaching possibly still needs to be addressed. We'll have to see what they do there. Um, not to say that I think it's necessarily a coaching issue. Again, it's just it's more of a talent issue than anything else. Um, so it's hard to judge coaching. But get Joe Burrow back. 
you draft right, this Bengals team could be pretty good. You know, they, they've been pretty successful without Joe Burrow, and I think Joe Burrow is is a really talented quarterback and he, he's a leader for this team. So uh, to not have him, have him and still be able to win is pretty impressive. On the Texas side of things, they moved to 4-11 and 11 with this loss. And again, I just think that they're kind of a mess right now. They have no guidance. They don't have a coach. They don't really have a, a, a permanent GM either. Bill O'Brien has done so much damage to that franchise. You know, I was talking about, I think, with uh, Matt and our other podcasts, you know, what are the Texans going to do in this draft? And the thing is, the Texans don't even have draft picks either. They traded them all the way for, for whoever it was where, you know, they traded, They tra- I think Laramie Tunsil, they traded a lot of their draft picks away. Um, so they're just, they're really dry on draft picks. So this Texas team is just like a long way from being able to rebuild. And the only thing they have holding on to them is Sean Watson. So it's just, it's a really tough situation in, in Houston. Um, moving on from there, we had the Steelers Colts. Steelers went at 28 to 24 and sort of, a, sort of a comeback fashion here. Uh, pretty solid game out of the Steelers to be able to come back and win this one. You know, Indianapolis goes, you know, 17, uh, 14. So they're at 21, seven. Um, and then Pittsburgh starts coming back in the second half. And that's just been Pittsburgh's story this year. I think Pittsburgh's story this year has been a lot of Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have the ability to throw like he used to. Mike Talman and, and the coordinators have to go back into the locker room and try to figure out how they can win the game. How can you move the X's and O's for, for Ben to be successful and how for the Steelers offense to be successful? And I think they've done it, you know, quite a decent amount um, in, in this during the season. Steelers are at 12 and three. Um, they've locked in playoff spot. You know, the, their ability to go into halftime and, and fix their game plan and come out with wins is very impressive um, and sort of almost unmatched in the NFL this season. So it should be interesting to see how that works in the playoffs. You know, is, is the halftime adjustments going to be enough to, for them to come out with enough victories and, uh, you know, enough success to win and get a victory? I don't know. And then moving on to the Colts, a uh, tough loss for them. They really needed this one to win it from the Titans in the division. Uh, unfortunately, they dropped the ball here. Um, again, I, I think the Colts are a solid team. They just they don't have it all together. I think for the Raiders, again, it's subpar. 270 yards, one touchdown, one reception. I think he's similar to Big Ben where he kind of limits what they can do in terms of deep passes and his his arm talent. Um, J- Jonathan Taylor, again, one of the more underrated rookies, I think, this year with 74 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Um, and my boy, Michael Pittman Jr., only 38 yards. He'll get those up. But uh, Steelers win that one. Colts are – you know, struggling to get a playoff spot uh, to see what they do. It's between them and the Titans. Um, moving on from there, we have Panthers and Washington. Washington drops this game 20 to 13. Um, I don't think the Panthers, we know we know what they are, but I think the issue with Washington, obviously, is quarterback. You know, what are they going to do at quarterback? Um, they just released Dwayne Haskins, which I think is, is you know, probably the right move. He hasn't been professional. He's gotten there. He hasn't improved. He's been playing awful, awful, awful. Gets caught out of a club without a mask. Um, you know, gets stripped of his, his team captain. The guy's a mess. I hope another team takes a shot on Dwayne Haskins because I think, again, he's a really talented quarterback if he gets put in the situation because we know from day one he did not look happy going to the to the Washington football team. Um, maybe if you put him in the right situation, he can have success, but it's just it's obvious to me he didn't want to be in Washington. Um, he made him very obvious. They released him. I hope another team takes a chance on him, but um, you know, not a good look for Dwayne Haskins, and it really leaves the Washington, Washington football team with the question of who their future quarterback is. We know Alex Smith and the injuries that he's had. He's he's very aged. He doesn't have much longer. Um, right now they have Hinnicky in. I'm not a huge fan of him. Um, so I think the ultimate question there with Washington, it's going to be the quarterback position. And that's the only way they're going to be able to come out significant win. You know, even if they make the playoffs this season without a really a set quarterback, you know, how far are you going to go in the playoffs? Not very far at all. Um, so Washington's really got to find a way there. Uh, moving on, we have the Broncos Chargers. Chargers won at 19 to 16. Uh, pretty closely contested game here. Again, Chargers, not a bad team, just poorly coached. I think talent-wise, they're not so bad. Um, you know, looking at statistics, right? Justin Herbert, another solid game of him. Again, Justin Herbert, not always spectacular, but makes very minimal mistakes most of the time. He's probably been the most successful quarterback out of this rookie class. 253 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, pretty solid game of him. Um, and then, you know, looking at the, the Broncos side of things, uh, you know, not, not a spectacular game out of them either. Pretty closely, pretty close one here. Uh, Drew Locke has, has a bad game here, 264 yards and two interceptions. Um, not what you want to see out of Drew Locke. You want to see him constantly improve, especially against bad coaching. I was able to do so here. 
Um, and, you know, both, both the Broncos and, and Chargers are out of playoff spots, so it's not that big of a deal in terms of who won this game. But uh, interesting to see, like, what pass these teams take moving forward. Are they going to stick with Drew Locke? Uh, Drew, you know, Drew Locke obviously needs to find a lot more success if he wants to be a long-term starter in the NFL. And the Chargers side of things, are they going to fire Lynn, uh, you know, Swan? Or, or Lynn, rather? I think Lynn Swan. Um, are they going to fire Lynn? Because his coaching has been abysmal this year, um, and I think he's really held the team back. Moving on from there, we have the Cowboys and Eagles. Uh, pretty much the result I expected, 37-17. to 17. Um, Cowboys moved to 6-9. and nine. Eagles moved to 4-10. and 10. I think Eagles are eliminated from the playoffs pretty much at this point, barring a, a miracle. Um, Cowboys are in the race for it. We'll have to see how him and them in Washington do because the Giants have been on an absolute losing streak. So I think it's really going to come down between the Cowboys and Washington. I think the Cowboys may wind up winning the playoffs, may wind up winning the division here. Um, and simply do because their offense is that good. You know, even with Andy Dalton, they're still able to produce where the, the Eagles cannot, neither can the Giants, neither can Washington, especially Washington without a solid starting quarterback. I was looking at their statistics. Jalen Hurts with, I would say, you know, objectively his, his first bad game in the NFL, 342 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, not great out of him. I was still able to rush the ball for 69 yards. Again, not, not one of his greatest games in terms of touchdown to interception radio. Was able to put up yards, but you know, obviously his team lost the game. wasn't able to wasn't able to convert in enough points. And you know, again, Jalen Jalen Hurts, you got to give him time. He, he wasn't a first overall draft pick for a reason. He's still developing, and he's he's really smart football player. So I would give him time. On the the promise that he's shown early on, I don't think is 100 percent a fluke. Um, so again, not a bad game out of him, but not as not as clean as we as we've seen him be over the past couple of weeks. Um, and then moving on to the Cowboys side of things, again, I think this Cowboys team has potential, even with Andy Dalton, 377 yards, three touchdowns, one reception for Andy Dalton. Um, Zeke is able to put up 100 yards rushing finally. And then wide receiver-wise, we know how good their wide receiver core has been all year. Uh, Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb, you know, putting 121 yards for both Gallup and Cooper, and then 65 from Lamb. Uh, you know, I think any put any quarterback in the situation where you have a decent offensive line and that many weapons on offense, and you can do something, especially in a division as bad as NFC East, the Cowboys could potentially come out on top of this division. I wouldn't be really, really surprised. Um, moving on from there, we have Seahawks Rams. Seahawks win 20 to 9. Um, Rams side of things, they dropped two in a row now. Uh, Jared Goff, not a great game out of him. 234 yards, zero touchdowns, one reception. Uh, Jared Goff just isn't the same when they're under pressure. And I think uh, the Seahawks defense has really stepped up for these past couple of weeks. You know, I think they've been a top 10 defense. I think in the past, since week 10, they've allowed the least amount of points in the NFL. Um, and that's you know, they were really inconsistent at one point. I think their defense has only gotten better. My only concern for the Seahawks is their offense and, and how that's going to do um, in terms of their offensive line and the success that they're going to have in the playoffs. Um, I think if they have good success and everything goes right, the Seahawks could win the Super Bowl. I would definitely not count them out. Um, the Rams, on the other hand, is not a good loss for them. Um, next game, we have the Packers Titans. Packers went at 40 to 14. I've kind of lost faith in the Titans at this point. I think they've been too inconsistent. They lose. Uh, games like this way too bigly, and it's just not a good look for the Titans. Tannehill, 121 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, not great for him. Derrick Henry held only 98 yards, which is kind of unheard of for Derrick Henry. And then the Packers, of course, went absolutely bonkers on offense. 231 yards passing for Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, one reception. A.J. Dillon, one, I think his best game to date, um, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Demonte Adams, 142 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, again, really exploded on offense here for the Packers. Um, they're probably my favorites coming out of the NFC. We um, there, our final game. We have the Bills and the Patriots. Bills blow out the Patriots, um, and that, that leads me to the question. I know, I think we know how good the Bills are. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. I think they're probably the best team in that division by far. I'd probably rank them at power, if I had a power rank them, I'd probably put them at two in the AFC, right behind the Chiefs. My question is, what are the Patriots going to do? You know, is it Bill Belichick's fault? Because you could say a lot of things, but at the end of the day. You know, I, I, you can really, I think the saving grace of Belichick this year is the opt-outs. We need people like Chong, um, I think the McCourty's opted out, uh, Shaq Mason opted out. You know, some pretty key players for the Patriots. When you lose players like that, um, it's going to make a difference. And I think Bill should be able to still win more, you know, not having them because he's Bill Belichick. But at the same time, I think it's a fair cop-out for him. And at the same time, you know, for how bad the Patriots have been, especially drafting, Bill, Bel Bill Belichick drafts the Patriots, so they should have more success. And it's just, Makes you question, look at Tom Brady, right? The Buccaneers are, are pretty successful um, despite their first year and all the changes that happened in Tampa. 
Um, you know, was it Tom Brady? Because looking again, looking at Bill Belichick, he's had blood, so he's had Brady, he's had success under those really talented quarterbacks. Um, but at the end of the day, he has, has not had the same success without them. Um, so it makes me question is Bill Belichick again, the saving grace is that he's had opt out, so it's hard to judge. I think it's too early to judge. Uh, but it should be interesting to see though what the Patriots in the situation that they're at do they bring back Cam? I think they're going to draft a quarterback if they don't bring back Cam or sign another quarterback. But I think, you know, problem A is they really need a quarterback. Um, and then go from there. You know, they could go for depth positions, which I've said in the past. Bill Belichick seems like he likes to do, um, especially looking at last last year's draft with, when he drafted a lot of depth. So, um, again, it should be really interesting to see what the Patriots do. Uh, now they're not in the playoffs and they're uh, nearly at the bottom of their division, which is something we haven't seen in quite some time. Also, going through, sorry. So going through everything, um, just going through who has playoff spot, whatnot. Uh, Bills lock it in at twelve and three. They have playoff spot. Dolphins are still fighting. Uh, Chiefs are fourteen and one. Obviously, they have locked in the playoff spot. I don't think anybody else in the division is going to get a playoff spot. AFC North still one of the more competitive um, divisions right now. Steelers have locked in a playoff spot at twelve and three. But the Ravens are ten and five. Browns are ten and five. I think Ravens have the tiebreaker now. And if the Browns don't win next week and and the Ravens do, it's pretty much over. I think the Browns get eliminated from the playoffs, which is pretty credible um, considering, you know, they, they were poised to win this division not two or three weeks ago. Uh, they really blew it. Uh, AFC South is between the Titans and the Colts. Both of them are 10 and 5. Um, I think, honestly, I think the Ravens will win out. If the Browns don't win, I think it's going to become either the Colts or the Titans. I think the Colts will probably win. If, let's say the, the standings are what they are now. Colts take the playoffs. Browns get eliminated, which is pretty upsetting considering how, how successful they were this season. And then the Titans won their division. I still think I still have faith in the Titans, but I just like that. I don't really have uh, Super Bowl hopes for them anymore just because of how inconsistent they've been. On um, NFC side, we have Washington, first place of NFC East. Uh, Cowboys at six and nine, the Giants at five and ten. Eagles are kind of out of out of it at four, ten and one. Giants are nearly out of it at five and ten. So really bad division there, obviously. Next game we have is the Seahawks. Uh, seeing we have is the Seahawks for the NFC West. Uh, Seahawks are 11 and four. Again, I think their defense has really stepped it up, and that's going to bode well for them moving into the playoffs. So it should be interesting to see how they do. Uh, Rams are nine and six. Cardinals are eight and seven. You know, Rams are looking a lot more likely to get that playoff spot than the Cardinals at this point. You know, the Cardinals really can't afford to lose another game, and they only got one left. So uh, Packers are 12 and three. They pretty much have their division. Uh, Bears are eight and seven, which is not bad, but I don't think it's a playoff spot. And you have the Saints and Buccaneers for the for their division. You have Saints at eleven and four, and Buccaneers at ten and five. So, again, so a little bit of playoff spots to to move around, but uh, not too much. Go, you know, moving around at this point, it's almost set in stone. We're getting into the playoffs. It should be interesting to see, you know, where teams seed and then you know where they go play in the playoffs. Um, you know, again, I think a, kind of a sleeper pick is the Bills. I really like the Bills. I think they can compete with the Chiefs in the AFC. They can even beat them in a playoff game. They play really well. Uh, so, should, again, should be really interesting to see. Uh, Brian? Okay. Um, we're going to move into basketball now. So, for basketball, I mean, opening week, basically, I think there might have been a little bit of overlap between our last podcast. But um, let's just say opening week, there's been a lot of interesting stories that I want to talk about. First off, just to like kind of give the background of everything, there's been some key injuries that will help me discuss other games that happened. Um, Kawhi Leonard's been out day to day. Obviously, I'm going to get into it, but the Clippers had a terrible loss against the Mavs. But before I go into that, let me just go through the other injuries. John Morant um, has an ankle injury and is expected to be out three to five weeks. So that's a huge blow to the Grizzlies, obviously. I don't think a lot of people think the Grizzlies are going to be that great this year, but it really most of it landed on if John Morant could continue to play well, like he did his, for his rookie season. Um, third, Kevin Love is out three to four weeks with a calf injury. It's like a strained calf. Um, looking at it from like an outsider's point of view, who don't really follow what's specifically going on this past week, that Kevin Love injury doesn't seem that impactful, but like I'm going to get into the Cavaliers have played well in the opening week. So it could bode into something that's interesting but I, I think the Cavaliers will eventually calm down but I'll stick to my plan of going over the injuries next up um Obi Toppin's out with also a calf injury it's a strained calf must not be as serious as Kevin Love Kevin Love's strained calf because it's the same injury but um Obi Toppin's I think 
is out for like another week and then they're reevaluating him. Hopefully their reevaluation goes well um, because the Knicks would love, obviously Knicks and the Knicks fans would love Obi Toppin to be back. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about, some of the storylines. Um, the Nets so far with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have looked very good. They looked extremely good their first two games, 2-0. and um, They've lost their next two. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving sat out the last game. Um, the game prior to that, um, Kevin Durant had a chance to have a game-winning shot with the Nets. He missed it. Um, they ended up uh, losing to the Hornets, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, so they're now sitting at 2-2. Two and two. I think I think most people are very excited for what the Nets could be this season. I'm not excited because I'm a Knicks fan, but like if you're a Nets fan, like you should be excited because Kyrie Irving's still doing Kyrie Irving stuff. Kevin Durant seems to have gotten over that injury pretty easily. Well, not easily, but it's back to his old form of just shooting lights out and just being one of the more athletic players in the league. Um, so for the Nets, and they also have a bunch of depth from Karis. Oh, there's something I want to talk about that. Karis uh, LeVert, Joe Harris, all those players. The big thing with the Nets, which I forgot to add to the injuries, is Spencer Dinwiddie has a partially torn ACL, I'm pretty sure. So I'm pretty sure even if it's partially torn, you're out for the season or at least a majority of it. Um, so that's a that's a big blow for the uh, Nets. Obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie before they had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant was primarily the star of the Nets. Um, and him being there just added to the depth that the Nets had. He's going to obviously not be there anymore. So who knows what that leads to for the Nets. I think the Nets have enough players on that team to still be a solid finals contender. Um, but definitely a big blow for them. And, and um, Steve, there's been some like, Interviews Steve Nash and Joe Harris have been like saying how important Spencer Dinwiddie is to their team and it sucks that he's gone. So we'll see what that turns into, but I think the Nets will be fine. Um, next up, the Wizards are 0 4. Obviously, the Russell Westbrook trade. That's why I'm comment, kind of commenting on this. Um, I don't really know what to say. The Wizards are just not playing good. I think, um, listen, it's only four games, but. I don't know, maybe this like idea that the Wizards can get their whole game around their um, their front, their point guard, shooting guard combination, maybe doesn't work. I mean, they've been trying this with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Now it's Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And I, I don't know, it just seems to not be working, at least for Washington. I don't know what the issue is. I think Russell Westbrook is definitely a step up from John Wall and what he's been, but so far hasn't done anything for them they're sitting at 0-4 at the bottom of the eastern conference so I think that look I, I I'm more hopeful for the Wizards now than compared to before when they had John Wall so I have to see if it changes I mean it's only 0-4 so it's the beginning of the season next thing which I kind of hinted at before Kawhi Leonard was out day to day the Clippers had a terrible loss to the Mavs I think at one point it was 62-18 then they were down by 50 at halftime. I mean, I think that's the biggest deficit in the NBA ever. And there's a few things that you want to mention. Obviously, I mean, um, Jack did a point of view on this and made a good point. It's so crazy that it's probably a fluke. And I think most people would agree with that, that it was just like a fluke game. But there's some things that you need to keep an eye on with the Clippers. First off, Kawhi Leonard is a huge part of their success defensively and offensively. And I think most people knew that. But to go along with that, Paul George seems to just not be able to be a number one star anymore. I mean, he never was very successful as a number one star. It seems like he, he's always needed a Russell Westbrook or now Kawhi Leonard. Um, but it seems like when they don't have their stars in, their whole team kind of crumbles. And there were some hints to this in the offseason. I mean, everyone was talking about um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Their clubhouse presence wasn't the best. Um which probably leads to some animosity within the team. And there's only so much that just having stars on your team can do. You also need a good clubhouse. And maybe that's what we're seeing. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think the Clippers are going to go on losing by 50 every game or whatever it was, but definitely some stories you should keep an eye on from that Mavs game, because even if it is a fluke, that's a crazy fluke to happen, especially for a team that's supposed to be finals contenders. Um. Another crazy game, which is going to get into my next thing, is surprises thus far in the season. Um, the Knicks have played very well. 
Um, I've obviously been following them pretty closely because I am a Knicks fan. We also started the Knicks universe. Um, so you can go check that out. But the first two games, they had great first halves. Um, if, you're, if you've been a Knicks fan, you've obviously seen that. Everyone was contributing. And then it kind of fell apart the third and fourth quarters. And after the first two games, I was like, this is what happened last year. They didn't have anyone to go to. They didn't have that shooter to like end a run for the other team. It just kept on going because the once their key player was um, cold, there was no one else on that team. And the Knicks had been lucky enough to have someone like Carmelo Anthony or even like Chris Stops who could stop a run from here and there from time to time. Um, but it seemed like the first two games they couldn't. They didn't have anyone else besides like Julius Randle to be able to do that. But in these last two games, um, they stepped it up immensely um, in the third and fourth quarters. Um, the biggest game that they won was against the Bucks, where they absolutely crushed them. Giannis was playing. If that wasn't um, something that I didn't mention, he was playing. He Giannis played well, but the Knicks just outplayed the Bucks, and the Bucks are obviously another championship contender team. But the Knicks once again outplayed them. Um, and going off of that, Julius Randle has been a key part to the Knicks. Probably like if you're going to give an MVP in the first four games, it'd be Julius Randle. Um, He's averaging like 25 points over 10 assists, very close to 10 rebounds. So almost averaging a triple double. I mean, he's been playing outstanding. And I think most Knicks fans feel sorry for the way they treated him last year based off how he started the season. Um, I don't want to put all the success on the Knicks on Tom Thibodeau, because if you've been listening for a while, I don't, I've been kind of weary about how much coaches actually impact the game, but so far it seems like Tom Thibodeau has, been very defensive oriented, very, very pass first oriented. And it seems to be doing its justice on the court. Julius Randall. I think they said a stat last night, like his career high. I mean, his season high last year, the Knicks was, was seven. And through the first half last night, he had seven assists. So, I mean, he's been, he seems to be the centerpiece of the offense and makes it click. And they're young players as well. RJ Barrett has played very well. Um, Alfred Payton, didn't have hasn't had the best game, but his third game was outstanding. Twenty seven points. Um, Kevin Knox has been a very good six man, and Alec Burks, who I'm just being honest, like I didn't even know they had him, has been actually I guess he's the six man. Has been a, a crazy six man. I mean, he's he has like a day to day injury, but he's been averaging twenty points a game out of the six man role, which is just amazing. Um, so, yeah, that's all I want to say about the Knicks, but the Knicks are definitely something to look at. Next up, Cavaliers are 3-1. and one. The Knicks just beat them, which is their one loss. Um, so they were 3-0. and oh. On the Cavaliers' side of things, um, I don't know what's making them click, but I honestly don't know. I haven't even heard much about them. But what I saw yesterday, Sexton seems to be shooting pretty well. Um, they have a guy, I think his name's Garland, who um, was – a rookie last year didn't have the best season last year, but seems to be playing well as well. Um, they both are players that are very streaky shooters. And obviously once you get a streaky shooter going they're they're on fire for, for a few games. So it seems like that's, what's been um, doing good for them. Larry Nance jr. Has also played well. Um, we'll see if this Kevin love injury impacts them a lot. I mean, it could, I don't know how impactful it will be. Um, also, I forgot to mention Andre Drummond has been outstanding on the boards. I mean, he's also seven feet, so it's hard not to be outstanding on the boards, but I think that's what's been propelling them to their record right now. And definitely been a surprise. Um, next up, the Magic are 4-0, and a large part of their success has been Markel Fultz. Markel, Markel Fultz, um, he's obviously former Sixers number one overall pick. Uh, didn't transpire well in uh, Philadelphia. Went to the Magic last season, had a pretty like role player, pretty good season. I think he averaged like 15 points or something like that. Right now, um, Markel Fultz, I think his first two games, he had above 20 points, um, had a lot of assists as well. I don't know how he's done his last two games, but Markel Fultz has definitely been a, uh, one of the reasons that the Magic are for now. Uh, Vucevic has also played well. Uh, Terrence Ross has also played well. So the Magic are something to watch. It's fun in the beginning of the season when there's all these like random teams that are just for some reason doing well. Um, and the last thing, which I don't know why I put this in surprise, it really shouldn't be a surprise. Oh, I know what it's a surprise. So Chris Paul and the Suns have played well. I think they're two and one. 
Um, last time I checked, I might be wrong about that. It might be like two and two, three and one. Um, but Chris Paul has been an assist machine and he's been doing what the Suns wanted him to do, which was to be able to, um, move the ball for the Suns, not only have it in Devin Booker's hands <clears throat> and they've been playing well. I, I think a lot of people saw it in the bubble that the, that the Suns have a bright future and Chris Paul just adds to it. Um, I think he's averaging like 12 assists a game, something like that. So he's been definitely a good, uh, spark for the Suns. Nick, do you have anything about the Rockets that you want to talk about? Um, not necessarily the Rockets. You know, the Rockets have been okay so far. Had our ups and downs. James Harden's been as, as good as he's always been. Um, we've been without John Wall and Mark's Cousins due to COVID. Um, it's been a little bit tough for us in terms of that. You know, we haven't really had a cohesive squad. My thing is, like, what James Harden, I think, still is giving the impression that he wants to leave, but I just feel like they could have a really good squad. I think him and Christian Wood have been really spectacular so far off the pick and roll. I think Christian Wood's had like over 20 points a game every single time he's played with Harden working that pick and roll. Um, so I think he's like a better Capella essentially for the Rockets. You have Marcus Cousins, who's a very capable center, John Wall solid, and then you pretty much put whoever you want at the small forward spot. You can put PJ Tucker, Daniel House, um, Eric Gordon, depending on who you need. So I just think there's, there's a lot of versatility there. I'm sad to, you know, hopefully James Harden just changed his mind and want to stay in Houston. Um, and then additionally, I just wanted to add that in terms of that John Morant injury um, for the Grizzlies, um, you know, it's something that's going to, I think, affect his season more than people realize. You know, I had a grade two uh, ankle sprain last, literally last uh, last winter in January. And although it heals and you get somewhat back to normal in that three to five week period, it's something that lingers for quite some time. I mean, this thing, this injury is probably going to affect him for about two to three months. Um, it's probably going to affect his play. You know, it's not going to keep him out. You know, it'll probably keep him out from from on a night to night basis. It's not going to keep him out long term. Obviously, once he comes back in the three to five weeks, um, given he does have a, you know incredible physical therapy and the best doctors probably money can buy. But um, again, it's you know doctors and, and physical therapists are not miracle workers. You know, the body still has to heal itself, so it's gonna it's gonna be some time, and it may affect his play, which is which is really upsetting to me because I think John Morant. Uh, this year was just poised to have an incredible year. Um, obviously, rookie of the year, and then you, you top on the fact that he's super athletic, um, which we knew that. I better read about him, but you know, his work ethic and his ability to continually improve his game is something that's it's really unmatched. I think, especially out of his draft class, I would say even unmatched by Zion. And we saw it in the first couple of games where he, he exploded for like forty-four points, and then I forget what he had in the second game. I can't remember. Um, I know he split 44 points one of those nights, but again, uh, he was just poised to have such a good year. And this, this may rail, derail his year because, again, we're talking in two to three months, I think, fully healed. We have a shortened season that's compacted. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty devastating, I think, for the Grizzlies and, and John Morant. So, you know, in a regular season, it's not that big of a deal, but because of the compacted season and how the season is going to pan out, this may, this may be a, a big thing. Again, I don't think it's going to affect his, the longevity of his career long-term. It's really going to affect him. Just in the short term, in terms of this season, it, it may affect him uh, more than you might expect. Gotcha. Okay. Going from NBA to baseball. In baseball, it was a quiet week up till, what's today, Wednesday up till Monday, um, where the Padres were just making move after move. Um, the Padres have had been quiet so far this offseason, um, but they made some very important trades that we obviously need to just talk about. So first one, Blake Snell. Um, in the Blake Snell trade, let me just go over the details. Um, they traded for Blake Snell, obviously, and they traded away Luis, Luis Patino, Francisco Mejia, um, Blake Hunt, and Cole Wilcox. Um, Luis Patino and Francisco Mejia are very are, Supposed to be very good young players. Um, Luis Patino came up from, I think it was single A last season. and didn't have the best, didn't have, uh, did not play well. I'll just be blunt with that. Um, but he's, uh, he throws hard, strikes people out, very, is, is young, was only in single A last season. Um, Francisco Mejia, also supposed to be very good uh, catcher prospect. Not even a prospect, he's up in the big league. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Blake Hunt and Cole Wilcox, I don't know too much about. Um, but all these players are considered pretty good prospects, I'd say. Um, but the Padres are willing to get rid of them and trade for Blake Snell. Blake Snell has been on the market um, for a while now. 
well, ever since this offseason. Um, I don't really know how Blake Snell feels about this because I don't know if he's still upset about not being able to stay in the game in the World Series. I'm sure he is a little bit. Um, but to go from a team like the Rays, who are supposed to be a very um, good organization. Can you hear me still? Okay. Um, can go. The Rays are just a very good organization. And the Padres are a good organization. They've had a very good season last year, and the Padres are looking to add pitchers, and they definitely did with Blake Snell. And going off of that, um, they traded for you, Darvish, uh, the next day. Also gave away prospects. Um, I don't have the you, Darvish details up. Let me quickly find that. Um, details. Here we go. It's loading. So the U Darvish trade, they traded, um, they traded. So the Padres got U Darvish and Victor Caratini. Victor Caratini was basically like U Darvish's catcher. Um, he's, he was who U Darvish wanted to pitch to. So it made sense for the Padres to go get him. They also needed a catcher. Um, and in return, the Padres traded Zach Davies. Um, and four prospects who are very young. Owen K- Casey, 18 years old. Uh, wait, uh, those are not. Okay, I don't know the ages. I, there's a number next to it, so I could just be wrong. But Owen Casey, Reggie Preciado, Ismael Mena, and Yason Santana. Um, they're supposed to be also pr- pretty good prospects. Um, and Zach Davies, I don't know if anyone remembers, but I remember his time with the Brewers, and he was – a very nice young pitcher and he's still young and has played for the Padres. So, I mean, it's played for the Cubs and now he's going to the Padres. So basically at taking out of these two deals, the Padres seem to be, have gotten the better of the two, better of both. Honestly, it seems like the Cubs were trying to get rid of some money. I think they're another team that was hit hard. Um, the Cubs owner or GM says that it wasn't because of that. Um, but I think it was because the Padres, had a top five farm system going into this, into these deals and gave away some pretty good prospects, but still have top five prospect, top five, uh, why am I top five? I just had the word, but have very good prospects still, um, top five farm system. That's what I wanted to say. So, I mean, they're still in good shape if they want to make more trades, but the Padres have been on top of it right now. And they also signed Hassan, Hassan Kim, I think this, I don't know how to say the song part, but um, he was a shortstop or a middle infielder coming from, um, inter, it was an international signing and he played very well um, <clears throat> last season. It will be interesting if it transfers over for a lot, a lot of times when it's like hitters or not pitchers, well, in both cases, but more like when it's um, infielders and things like that, the talent doesn't always transfer over in terms of the power and RBIs and average and all that stuff, because it is a different game, obviously. Um, so interesting to see if it works out for them, but they made a lot of moves. And if you're a Padres fan, you should be very excited because they're just making moves that any uh, person would want to see happen. The last thing I want to talk about is Trevor Bauer. Um, it was reported yesterday that by John Heyman, I think it was John Heyman, that he wants around a five to six year deal worth between 40 and 60 million a year, which is a crazy contract. Um, I think that would beat out Garrett Cole's contract. And for Trevor Bauer, I don't, Trevor Bauer basically had one very outstanding season and then some good to average seasons before that. And to be asking for that, that's crazy. Um, And most fans are saying that. And then Trevor Bauer, re kind of tweeted at, I don't really know how Twitter works, but subtweeted, I don't know, um, at John Heyman saying, it's great to get information from you, but none of that's true or something like that. And they've gone back and forth this off season. So there's been a history with them. Um, so who knows if the John Heyman report is valid, valid, um, but I'm sure it, it's had to come from somewhere. Those are just numbers you don't pull out of thin air. Um, so Trevor Bauer is asking for a lot of money and I don't think he's worth that type of money. I think he'll have to wait a while um, to see if there's anyone that wants to sign him for that type of money. Um, I don't think anyone's going to, but I would imagine like his free agency lasts till like February, early February, something like that, because 
I don't think any teams are going to just go out of their way and sign him for that much money. That ends it for baseball. Do we have any college stuff or anything else? I'm just going through baseball, uh, you know, with the rumors that Jay LeMahieu may go to the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, Yankees, don't let that happen. Please don't let the Dodgers continue to LeMahieu. Oh, my God. And then you, Darvish, on the move to the, to the Padres. I don't know. I just find it really interesting because, like, growing up, you, Darvish, is, like, always one of the best pitchers. Um, and it's just, like, interesting to see how the Padres just kind of shape themselves, especially this offseason. I kind of see them as, like, kind of like the Yankees, where it's, you know, they got all the hitting together, and now they're trying to put together the pitching. Um, so it should be interesting to see how the Padres do, you know, that they're, I think by my accounts, they've gotten better. So, uh, it should be interesting on that front. Um, and then college stuff, um, obviously college football didn't happen. Um, you know, we've had our, our bowls and whatnot this week. Um, I don't pay too much attention to them because I think they're kind of just, uh, I don't know, I don't even call them, you know, they're kind of sentimental trophies for, for the teams to say that, you know, maybe we're not one of the best in the nation, but we can still win whatever bowl it is that we're in. Um, so it's more of like a, you know, I think it's more for the teams than it is for the fans or, the, or anybody on the outside, which is great for them. Um, but, you know, looking at the college football playoffs, again, Friday, I think, is the first game. Um, we have Alabama and Notre Dame. Again, I think easy game for Alabama. And then Clemson, Ohio State. I'm taking I'm taking Clemson. We're going to have Alabama-Clemson again. Those are my picks. Um, and then college basketball, um, just going through the rankings. One, Gonzaga still, they're 9-0. Again, I think Gonzaga's shoulders – had to show those above everybody else, but uh, two Baylor, three Kansas, four Villanova, five Houston, six Wisconsin, seven Tennessee, eight Texas, nine West Virginia, ten Iowa. Um, you know, Iowa bounced back. I forget who it was against, but they, they lost two in a row or they lost two games now. Um, again, I think they're one of the better teams. Um, I don't know. I think it was a good amount of upsets this week, but I just think this Gonzaga team, you know, whatever happens during this regular season, this Gonzaga team is just really spectacular. Uh, you know, but me being going to Villanova, go Cats. Maybe we can upset Gonzaga somehow, you know, down the line. But um, that, that kind of wraps it up for college basketball. Not much to talk about. You know, just, just your regular games have had some upsets here and there, but um, not, nothing spectacular. You know, we're starting to enter into conference play uh, pretty heavily now. So, um, you know, the, the thick of the season's here. Um, and that about wraps it all up. Um, so that, you know, that wraps up our podcast. Um, pretty good podcast. Uh, both me and Brian have been, you know, straight for time, strapped for time because of the holidays and whatnot. But hopefully, you know, our condensed podcasts are probably better for you as well because it's just not as much to listen to. We're able to get your sports news in a nice, quick fashion. So, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to feel, feel free to comment. Uh, tell me on my email at nicholasforbeth10yahoo.com. Other than that, thank you guys for listening. See you guys next week. Going to hand it back over to Brian. See you. Okay. Yes, that does wrap up this week's podcast. Um, some sport universe news, I guess. So, like I said, we have the Nick Universe. You can go follow um, a new Mets account at the Mets Universe. Um, you can go follow us there. Um, but other than that, not much else to say. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments, you can DM us um, or email Nick or email the Sport Universe twenty nineteen at gmail com and also, if you're interested in writing, editing videos, any way you think could help, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening.